This is the For Freedom Podcast, a podcast that's part of the RFP Network that seeks to exhibit grace to those who have experienced legalism and abuse within the independent, fundamental Baptist movement by pointing them to the scriptures. Now, here's your host, John Hollyfield and James Saker. Welcome, everybody, back to the For Freedom Podcast. I am your host, John Hollyfield, and this, and I'm here with the other host, our co-host, Darth Saferit. How are you doing, James? There's one and only, John, one and only, may the fourth be with you today, and that's today when we're recording it, and I'm glad to be known as Darth Saferit today, and uh, it was really cool, one of the Charlotte Fire Departments um, did a Star Wars tribute, and they had all of their, um, uh, they did some type of award, and all of the uh, firefighters came out dressed as stormtroopers uh, for this uh, cadet they were honoring, and uh, so I guess he was a huge Star Wars fan, and so that was pretty cool to see and uh, to be able to watch that. So, Yeah, that's pretty cool. I like that stuff. Um, Star Wars fan, all that stuff, waiting for some... Good stuff to come out in that arena. Uh, things been going well over here. Had surgery this past week. Been recovering from that. And uh, funny story, my wife was listening to the podcast the other day while she was cleaning. And my three-year-old son, Mason, was in the room. And he was just like listening. Like he heard my voice on her phone as she was doing work. And he kept saying, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. No, Daddy, stop. I need to talk to you. Daddy, I need to talk to you. And then he just goes to Mary and he goes, Oh, Daddy won't stop talking so I can talk to him. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. And so so your, has your has your wife been listening to some of the episodes now, John? Yeah, she's finally starting to chat. She said she was going to try to catch up. So, John, my wife has finally started jumped on the bandwagon and is listening as well. She said... What are some of your best episodes? And I'll listen to them. And I said, well, John, they're all, I said, Allie, they're all great. What do you mean? Which one's the best? Come on now. <laughs> so I did, I did hit her to a couple of the, you know, my personal testimony and a couple of like Kyle Kinzer people she knew. Um, and so that was pretty cool to, uh, we, we sat there and listened as we were riding around the other day. So that was pretty, pretty fun for us. Awesome. Awesome. And, uh, you know, we do our This Week Roundup, but it's been a pretty quiet week. Uh, you know, me and James have been busy. You know what, James, with being having surgery, I uh, I was stuck on a bed for a few days, and I just watched, like, documentaries like crazy. Like, I was I was just taken in the doc. I watched this one crazy documentary called Alabama Snake, and it's about this guy who's like a snake-handling preacher up in East Tennessee, and, like, Used the snake, the rattlesnakes they use at church to attempted to murder his wife. Crazy, crazy stuff. And then watched one on the mystery of DB Cooper, which was wild. I uh, never knew about that story about the guy that uh, hijacked the plane, got the money, and then jumped out with a parachute, and they never caught him. Really neat. Yeah. But uh, I've been I've been living in nostalgia because uh, I used to be a big WCW wrestling fan in the nineties and. Uh, 
And so I found this documentary series on the Monday Night Wars between WWF and WCW. And so I've uh, been sort of living in nostalgia of watching that. But um, did you ever watch wrestling? Yeah, well, John, I remember that. And I remember when we started hanging out as kids, we would come over on Mondays and uh, we would go out in the backyard and we would wrestle uh, out there in the back backyard where you were at. And so um, I was always a big uh, <clears throat> Stone Cold Steve Austin, the older, later guy. Uh, but then Andre the Giant, I mean, you just can't get better than Andre. Uh, he was one of my, my all-time favorites. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, my all-time favorite was Sting. I'm a big okay. Sting fan. Love Sting. But yeah. Yes, that's awesome. That is awesome. Um, hey, John, in the world, though, that, that we do live in, there has been one, if we want to do this one, uh, well, actually two, one's where I'm from, um, the Duggar situation. I'm sure a lot of our people have seen that, the abuse that he had. Um, on his um, own siblings, and now later on as a dad, um, you know, the FBI raiding for the child born, uh, just a tragic situation. Um, he actually went to the church that we went to for a couple of months um, there in Arkansas, because uh, they're from Arkansas, and so it was, uh, you know, you've got this uh, TV show guy that's coming in, uh, so he was pretty popular, but, but you know, that, that happened in, our, in the world of the IFB area. Yes, yes, I okay, yeah. And um and you know, there's a lot of opinions to be shared about that. Obviously that is disgusting. Child porn is is disgusting and what he's done is disgusting. And I'd like to encourage people to pray for his wife, Anna. I I, I think social media can be just absolutely cruel and harsh and these types of things everybody wants to be their keyboard keyboard warrior and uh you know what really just uh, she doesn't need everybody telling her what to do and what she should do she just needs people praying for her and and you know on that note there's also the preacher boys podcast did an episode with um kathy durbin and um her and the court case with her offender from Faith Baptist and Wildemar, Paul Fox. We actually covered, uh, we, we addressed that uh, while uh, several episodes back and mentioned that. And so they've had a, you know, the update in that story. I encourage everybody to go to listen to that episode of, of Kathy Durbin's impact statement and um, definitely encourage people to, to listen to that and share that and get people, people need to realize and recognize these, these, the effects that uh, this type of st- abuse has on people. But, um, yeah, and even even locally, John, here where I'm at, um, just you know, an hour down the road at a church um, in Stanleyville, <clears throat> a pastor with four kids. He's our age. He graduated from Liberty University. He just the same thing, uh, caught with child porn, um, distri- making and distributing as a pastor. Uh, four kids, and I just I pray for that church. Um, he actually, one of our, one of my good friends here in, in town, he graduated with him from Liberty. And so he said, man, it's just tough right now, um, hearing that and seeing that. And, uh, so it, it is tough. We need to pray for these families. We need to pray for these wives that, um, their whole life, you know, have been a lie to them and, and maybe not the whole life. I don't know the whole story, but you know, um, definitely these children are going to go through a lot. So, yeah, yeah. You know, at this time, we're going to jump into our IFB Sermon Clip of the Week, and uh, that sort of goes along a little bit with what we were just mentioning, because there seems to be this idea of people wanting to uh, refuse to 
look at the problems with some of these um, people have used their power to abuse others. And so this comes from a recent conference that's been going on this past week and brought to you by IFB Sermon Clips. Here is your IFB Sermon Clip of the week. And we have a generation now of the new independent Baptist group that want to tear down all of our heroes. They are very similar to the liberals, the liberal politicians that want to tear down our history. They want to tear down our heroes of history because of their flaws. These were flawed men. They had problems. They had mistakes. Society was different back in the 1700s than it is today. But because of their flaws, they want us to forget all of the wonderful and good things they did. You heard Brother Coral quote all of those quotes. Men like that barely exist today. And th but they want to destroy their legacy and wipe out that history. And the new independent Baptists want to wipe out the history of great men that we revered because of some flaws in their... Look, none of us thought they were perfect. None of us thought that they were God. We understood that. But you want to tear... And listen, and the, and, and the thing behind all this is not just tearing them down because of the lack of character or lack of uh, flaws in their life. It's the fact that you're going to now tear down the truths that they presented. Truth is truth no matter where it comes. It can come from my mouth or the mouth of a donkey. It's still true. And I want us to understand that and understand that we've made some mistakes. Now, I, I want to say some things to the older crowd, my crowd. You know, I was the young guy one day. And by the way, I'm, I appreciate the fact that I'm, you know, Caleb was the youngest guy this morning. I'm the next youngest. And then, Brother Paisley, thank God you're here. Because <laughs> you come after me, and, and, and I'm not the old guy on the program. Because a lot of places I go, I am the old guy on the program. Uh, at our missions conference, I had one missionary there that was 70 years old. And I said, I brought, it was Sigstat, Mark Sigstat. I said, I brought you for one reason. I needed one person older than me so that I didn't feel bad. But, but there's some things I think we need to understand as an old generation about how to handle a new generation. But don't go to sleep, young generation, because I've got a few things to say to you, too. Oh, that, that gets me going. Because the thing is, and, and the guy doesn't mention the names, but in another clip he mentions these heroes that he's talking about. It's like Lester Roloff, Jack Hiles, and um, and John R. Rice, and these guys. And they're they're so upset that people are giving. They they say that we're tearing them down. We're not tearing them down. We're we're speaking the truth about them. We're we're saying let the truth of our lives speak today, and and hold that up against the light of the truth of Scripture. And it's not holding up. These people abused people. They 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 turned their ministries into cults. Why should we hold them up? Yeah, it, it's just so much of a huge form of man worship. And we were we were I was in it. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying that I wasn't part of it. We we lifted up people, and I remember uh, getting you know some of my first messages. I'm lifting up people, and and uh, I remember my pastor came up to me and he said, "Listen, our people don't know any of those people." Uh, we don't worship people around here. Uh, and it was eye-opening to me, but, you know, now, you know, 10 years removed from that, or removed from that situation, and, and now I'm in my own life, and things are different. Man, I, I don't, why, why is it so important? Because in one of his clips, he says, in that same sermon, he says, um, I'm preaching Bible here. Pay attention, I'm preaching Bible. You're talking about a man who's not in the Bible. It's just, it blows me away. Yeah, 
Absolutely. When you're talking about a guy like Jack Hiles, right? Jack Hiles, who had an affair, a decades-long affair with his secretary that's documented and proven by more than one witness, by more than one person within both of the families. I'm talking about the secretary's daughter uh, has confirmed it, and several of Hiles' kids have confirmed it. This guy's ex, this lady's ex-husband confirmed it. So, I mean, how much more evidence and witness you? So this guy carried on a decades-long affair. You have... Uh, testimony from uh, Jack Hiles on children that says that his wife, he treated his wife like garbage, and so he is a d domestic abuser. He domestically abused his wife. And then you look at the state that he ran his church in as it was a cult. It is, it, it, you, you hold it up to the definitions of what a cult is, and it hits it on every note. The guy did not preach truth. The guy over over repeatedly preached heresy. And listen, if you're like, back these claims up, John, I would encourage you, go back and listen to the beginning episodes of this podcast, starting at episode number four, as I start to break down the history of the IFP movement and and detail some of these problems and these things. that These, these are not people that should be proclaimed as heroes, and if they are, you're either blind or I'm very – we have some issues with you. So, um, yeah, that was our IFB Clip of Week brought to you by IFB Sermon Clips. And uh, we are so excited, actually, to get this thing started that we, me and James have been putting together. And this is actually uh, – we're going to start a new series. And so, James, give us a drum roll for the – this is what we're calling the new series. We're going to roll it out. It's going to be several episodes long. And it is, James, wait a second. What are we calling this? I don't know. We, uh, the uh, you, RFP, okay, we huh? We had talked about a crossover is what you wanted to name it. R the RFP crossover epic event? Yeah, sure. That okay. works for me. All right. Yeah. <laughs> RFP <laughs> the RFP crossover <laughs> epic event podcasting series for – the four freedom. And so we are so excited to roll this out. This is our first one. And we have the hosts of the 26 Letters podcast, Dave and Sam Velasquez with us. Dave and Sam, how are you doing? So great. I am. I feel like a superstar. I've never been a guest on a podcast before. Yeah, this is great. We forgot to send you the complimentary <laughs> basket. Oh, oh, we do have shirts Don't made worry, now. I'll, I'll give you my address. You have shirts? We have shirts. We have a friend of ours, a mutual friend. It's actually John's sister-in-law, and I grew up with her as well. And she uh, made us four freedom shirts, and so it's it's pretty That's awesome. Super. I was gonna cool. have mine Very on, nice. but my daughter spilled yogurt all over it about three hours ago. So mm. there you Daughters. go. <laughs> We're gonna wear it to our uh, RFP meetup in Missouri. So it's pretty exciting. Yes. Very cool. Very nice. Yeah. So we're excited about having Dave and Sam on, and. Uh, uh, these guys joined the RFP network before us, and we, me and James were sort of late in the group. But um, I started getting uh, – the first time I ever uh, heard of you guys' podcast was uh, Will Hess threw like a, uh, a recommendation out there for it. I was like, okay, so another one. So it's getting bigger, more podcasts about this subject. And I was like, eh. Yeah. And then I finally was like, all right, so we're in the network now. I should I should listen. I should get to know everybody. And I listened to it, and I'm telling you – it's like the total opposite reaction. I was just like, this is my f 
well, I better not say that out loud, but this is the coolest <laughs> podcast. I love it. Like it was, it yeah. was just, it's, it's like a breath of fresh air from everything like we're doing and everybody else is doing, but it's like the same niche. And it's, I don't know, I don't know how to say it, but it's, I love it. Yeah. I know, you know, when, when we listen to a lot of the stories, I mean, like it's, it's real, it's raw, it's heavy. Um, and so I, we like to laugh. Yeah. So we, we, we like to laugh and, you know, bring a sarcastic light to a lot of, of things because you gotta learn to laugh at yourself yeah yeah, yeah I, I love go sorry i'm hogging the mic james i'm sorry but i <laughs> I, I, just, I, I think i really <laughs> love the just chill atmosphere uh just laid back we're just gonna have fun we're gonna talk about it uh you know and you you bring that fresh light to uh even the king james only issue that you just guys just talked about just that that fun that freshness that uh, really, sometimes we can get heated. I know when me and John did our episodes, there were times where we, you know, we we may have pulled a little buttons and hit some trigger points, and uh, but <laughs> right. just that chill, just that fun atmosphere is is really what has engaged me a lot in the episodes. Well, thanks, guys. Yeah, and I love when Dave <laughs> drops the occasional um, Italian accent. That's that's absolutely oh, hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I David always tries to get me to do accents, and I'm very, very bad at it. Yeah, Sam is Sam is very bad at accents, <laughs> yeah. but it's great. Okay, so um, I think one thing I know that the podcast really in each episode is is about your stories and and sort of your you know story growing through this. But um, what is sort of the story? I don't think I've heard this yet. I haven't listened to all of them. I'm like at E. Uh, for education and and I'm updated on the the newest ones being dropped but and James listens to all of them but what was the story about starting it yeah so last year my new year's resolution one of my new year's resolutions was to start a like any good millennials to start a podcast um and so I've been a, a fan of just the the genre since since I was like a junior in high school and so I thought, well, I'm going to start a podcast, but I didn't know exactly what. So I bounced around starting like a board game podcast. Sam wouldn't do that with me, um, surprisingly. And uh, some other type of history podcast. But I thought, no, that involves a ton of research I don't have time for. And so one day we were, um, as we were... I think we were hiking. Yeah, and, and kind of making our exit out of the IFB in our minds and in our hearts. I thought, well, hey why don't we do a podcast about how we grew up and some of the stories un- under that? And so um, we had no idea <laughs> that the recovering fundamentalist was a thing right. um, that yeah, any we of thought the, we were so original. We thought like, man, <laughs> nobody's talking about this. And so I Googled that evening, like IFB podcast. And sure enough, you hear uh Jesus was not a bartender. And I was just like, <laughs> what in the world? Who are these guys? I was like, honey, we're late to the party. And so I had emailed the guys um, and let them know that they were really encouraging because we were just making our steps out and just listening to what they had to say was great. And I had mentioned about the idea of, of us um, starting a podcast. And I think it was Nathan that replied and said, hey, yeah, you should do it. And, and so uh, it took a couple of months afterwards, but then November is when we started the podcast. And so that was kind of the idea. Really, the, the podcast was just born out of a, a New Year's resolution, and we just picked this topic. But part of where we got like to do the 26 letters is we read a book, and it kind of told us, especially if you're brand new at starting a podcast, you should have maybe like um, 
a time limit for this podcast. So we thought, okay, if we go in and we just decide, hey, we're going to do something for every letter of the alphabet, we'll go in, we'll say our piece, we'll drop the mic, peace out. <laughs> so that kind of, that's where we got the alphabet little scheme from. Yeah. I like it. David, I want to go backwards just for a second. If you were to do a board game podcast, uh, what would that actually look like? Would you play board games and review them? Or Well, it, I'll just move my shoulder a little bit. And if you see, there's a couple of shelves behind me, and those were our, where all our board games are at. And so um, I would, I mean, I think I would probably do something like either reviewing them, uh, but plenty of people do that already. As a matter of fact, I'm just going to say this, but shout out to Tom Vassell, who is probably, you guys probably don't know this, but he's one of the biggest names in the board gaming industry. Uh, <laughs> but he, I believe, is also a recovering fundamentalist and uh, and follows Brian and them. and um, So just interesting. But anyways, I'd probably do something about reviewing and covering the stories behind um, board games because I'm a big history nerd and a lot of board games are about history. So, Also, what he isn't telling you is that we have two fake episodes of a podcast called It Takes Two, where we review only two-player games. Yes, this is true. <laughs> the the awesome. one that never aired, huh? Yes. <laughs> Am I seeing two like vignettes back there of the Star Wars films, too? No. No. Those oh. are... Um, they're actually so we cheated. Um, I'm a very cheap person when it comes to art, and so this is supposed to be like one piece that um, is divided vertically. Yes. But instead, we set them hor- uh, you know, yes. horizontally that way. So yeah, mm. and it's just like gotcha. a camper in like the mountains of Utah, and the sun and, like, is setting the on the camper. Yeah, the yeah. different sun periods of the day. Yep. Awesome. It's great. James. That's great. Uh, let me ask you one more question since we're on board games. Sure. I'm a big board game guy as well. Um, and uh, have you ever played the game Ticket to Ride? Oh, yeah. Ticket yep. to Ride was probably one of the first ones we ever played. Yeah. That wasn't great. like I love it. Life or Monopoly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a, great. It, so. It's a great one. As a matter of fact, if you guys are in ministry and you work with young people, I would recommend mm-hmm. a board game called Wavelength. It's a great party game. Um, and, and it is, I just creates a lot of laughter mm-hmm. i think you can find it at target for like 20 or 30 bucks but wavelength it would be my recommendation for any kids ministry or well maybe upper kids youth and department even young adult we love oh yeah and yeah young adult friends. yeah 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 so. i'm buying it tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> you recommended it i have to buy it it's good it's a good one any other recommendations? Do you have a coffee mug out yet for the 26 letters that I can you add know, to my coffee mugs? We're working on merch right now, actually. Yes. Right. Just, that's right. a lot harder than we thought it would be. <laughs> so uh, the, one of the other cool things about your podcast is uh, your music. Your um. music is, is fantastic. My daughter asked me one time, she said, what do you listen to? And I pulled, she's like five. I pulled the uh, the headphone thing out and l- listened, and it, it was just it was right at the moment your music hit, and she's just bebopping around. <laughs> yeah, I mean she loved it. She was just dancing to it, and it's just I love it. Tapping, I love it. Tapping her foot, dude. I love that we get compliments on our music because finding that was no joke. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So. But. Yeah. That's so it, the music reminds me, and I think this is probably the reason why you picked it of like a Sesame Street feel. 
we have but, we have gotten that before. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting uh, that that you say that. Some people I didn't really watch a lot of Sesame Street. We just <laughs> heard it and it really appealed. Shows. I, the original, <laughs> 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 the the originals music actually has robot noises going on in the background um so if if we chose to keep the robot voices then it would have been free because what did we find on like free music library or something something like like that that. but we we didn't like the robot so we reached out to the artist said hey can you remove the robot sounds and he's like oh yeah sure so he charges like 10 bucks and that's the end of the story (laughs) well then you start off the podcast with saying the podcast today is brought by the letter and whatever layered it is, yes. that is what you're doing. So we're going to do a play on that. Okay, today. sure. All right. So we are the four Freedom Podcast. Right. And like letters, Sesame Street also does numbers. Mm-hmm. So we're going to do today. <laughs> Today's episode of the Four Freedom Podcast is brought to you by the number, James? Four. 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 With the Zoom lag and everything, but but yes, four. And so we're going to talk today about four things that Sam and Dave have learned since their exit from the IFB, or four takeaways, main takeaways from leaving the IFB. Sure. So let's let's get into this. Are you guys ready? Yeah, I think ready. so. All right. So what's number one on your list? You want to go, honey? Okay. Yeah. Sure. So I think. Um, number one is going to be that we're not alone. And what we mean by that is not like extraterrestrials and aliens, <laughs> um, but instead that Christianity isn't the small bubble that we always thought it was, that we are not the last remnant holding on to the fabric of the faith. But instead, God's family is a lot bigger than we think. And I think someone made this, um, shared this quote with me, and it really resonated with, with us, and that God doesn't save us uh to be twins he saves us to be brothers and sisters you know so we spend too much time looking for twins when we should be looking for brothers that is excellent that's a great point and that was that was sort of like one of those things that just sort of was like eye-opening to me mm-hmm. whenever i got out of it and and you know being in the ministry and pastoring like i started going and branching out into like going to more i know james was the same way of of like either conferences or workshops, ministry workshops that weren't necessarily in the IFB. And the funny thing was, as I'm hearing all of this stuff and I'm like, man, these guys are wearing like flip flops right. with blue jeans <laughs> yep. while they're teaching me this amazing truth. And they're like, not even, and sometimes they'll hit, hit you with something that's, that's hard. And it's like, you know, mm-hmm. you got a little bit of IFB in you. And then <laughs> afterwards I'll be sitting around the table and this has happened to me. I'm telling you, uh, at least four or five times in some of these things that I've been to over the years. I'll be sitting around the table at lunch, and I'm usually there by myself, and I'm sitting around with a bunch of different other guys from ministry, and they're like, so tell us your name and a little bit about yourself. And I was like, well, my name's John, and uh pastor some bivocational church. And, uh, yeah, I came out of the uh, IFB movement, mm-hmm. and every time I say that, I just stop. And normally there's one or two guys at the table that do this. <laughs> and then there's about the rest of the people at the table are going, what's that? Right. Mm-hmm. And that response right there is like, wait a second. I was led to believe that we were the it. Yes. <laughs> we were the top dogs in ministry mm-hmm. in the world and people have no clue. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think for us, it was a really a, a joyful thing to really learn that. Right, hun? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, 
is it in the Bible? Is it Elijah that um, is just so tired because he tells God, he's like, I am the only one out here. Right. I mean, I sat in churches that were comparing the IFB to Elijah in that moment and realizing and like they were preaching that like we are the last remnant, like we are tired because we are the only ones. And it's like, okay, well, actually, if you read the rest of that story, God pretty much tells him to take a nap and then to go and meet all of these other believers. Yeah. Take a nap, eat some food. You're just cranky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, but like that is very much how I felt like kind of not exhaust like I don't mean this in the sense that it was a burden but it was kind of exhausting because you think like if I screw up one time or mess up one thing then I am just bringing so much shame to this title of Christian and already we're the only ones that have it right in this large scope of Christianity and um, just kind of leaving and realizing that that was not the appropriate way to look at things is very very refreshing and renewing yeah like we're not the only ones who love jesus Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of other people who love jesus a lot of people who love jesus more than more than i do Mm -hmm. uh, and look nothing like me and act nothing like me and have different traditions and different preferences um and that's really awesome to know like hey that's my brother that's my sister Mm -hmm. yeah that's so true and uh, i can say that we definitely went through that as well and uh, it's good to say, David, that me and you do not look alike. You're a little bit darker than I am. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I don't have to use as much sunscreen, maybe. Mm, yeah. Well, how many times, James, and and you guys, you know, went to a, a Bible college too. How many times have we heard that you know you have a preacher up there preaching or some kind of missionary, and they're saying we need churches here? There's only one Bible believing church in this area. There's only there's there no Bible believing churches in this area, and then you <laughs> like I heard a friend say there's there's like no churches in Pensacola, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then they went down there and they started a church. And I remember the first time I went and visited them. I mean, we just like hit like a ten. It was like a, a Blue Angel Drive, and we're going down this road for ten minutes straight, just a fifty five miles per hour straight away. And I think I count like fifteen churches. Mm-hmm. But there's Mark. no Bible believing churches. <laughs> yeah, that's that's <laughs> right. And and someone we just saw like last week. Yeah, just like a, a week or two ago. Um, some some folks that are I think uh, pastoring in the Atlanta area and talked about how big and how many people are in Atlanta and how within the uh, that radius there was only two independent Baptist churches. And then it was like, you know, pray for laborers or something like that. I was like, oh, my goodness. I was like, I really don't think you need to pray for laborers in Atlanta. (laughs) And like before, that would have been like, wow, we need people to go down to Atlanta. And that would have been my mindset. But now to me, I just see that. And it's just like, man, that's so sad that that, that we limit our fellowship Mm -hmm. so much when we could be working together Mm -hmm. to see the kingdom of Christ advance. Yeah. In in our small town, we're from Salisbury, and we had a guy come in from Midnight, yeah, where buddy. I'm at right now, and he said there was only one Baptist church in Midnight, North Carolina. And when I came here, <laughs> there are seven, believe it or not, in the small town of Midnight, and uh, there's only one independent fundamental Baptist church in Midnight, North Carolina. All right. the rest are Southern Baptist or independent Baptist. They're not independent fundamental Baptist. Right. Wow. And so his statement was correct. There's only one independent fundamental Baptist. There's actually like seven or eight. So, Right. <laughs> but what's your number two reason for leaving or um, 
things behind that you've learned from the IFB? One of the things that we have run into, and I know that I, well, we've both really struggled with this personally, is just coming to grips with the fact that our works and our performance don't necessarily um, impress God, kind of meaning like we cannot make ourselves a better Christian because of all of the things that we do for the Lord. You know, the day that we got saved, we are just as much a Christian then as I am today and as I was three years ago when, you know, my whole entire Sunday consisted of just doing things. What's the book that we're reading right now? Uh, The Nature of Freedom by Graham Cook. Yeah, I don't know much about the author, but this is something that we are reading in our small group right now, and it's a book called The Nature of a Freedom. The Nature of Freedom, and the have you guys? Do you guys know about this book? Okay, and so the author writes it as if God was writing letters to us about how He views us and the work that He is trying to do within us, and the whole premise is basically having an understanding of who He made us to be when we are saved and how we cannot be any better because he views us as Christ and what is better than Christ? Well, nothing. And yet we spent so much time trying to rehabilitate the old man and the flesh and trying to make it look better. And and in the book he says, you know, why do we spend so much time trying to dress up a dead thing? There's no, you know, it's, it's a, it's a pointless and fruitless effort. And so, in leaving the IFB, I think one of the things, like Sam said, is that like God is not impressed by some of the things that I once thought were so important. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I figured that out, like, hey, this doesn't impress God, why should I care then if it impresses you? You being whatever Pastor pastoral or- authority or other person who wants to hang that over my head. Well, also when we were at Crown, so Crown, the auditorium is very large. It's divided into 12 sections. And there was like a joke that would be said from behind the pulpit, but also, you know, there's a little bit of truth in everything, right? And so section, was it section 12? Mm -hmm. That was the, that was the five-star Christian section. And that joke was made (laughs) from behind the pulpit. And like, you know, of course everyone would laugh, but also we we grew up in a way that very much made us think that there was such a thing as like a gold star Christian or like a Christian that wasn't appreciating their salvation because they weren't doing enough for the Lord. And um, just us totally judging people based off of outward performances. Yeah, me and James been having conversations like that personally going back and forth with our own ministry efforts with, you know, the biblical process of sanctification. Mm. And we sang Sunday at our church. Um, a mighty fortress is our God. Mm-hmm. And I was pointing out to them verse two, which I think Sam, it says exactly the first thing that you said is, is exactly what Luther was hitting at in verse two when he wrote this song. He said, did we in our own strength confide? Mm-hmm. Our striving would be losing. We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Mm-hmm. Ask who, do, Just ask who that may be. Christ Jesus, it is he. The Lord of hosts, his name from age to age, the same. And the way that he writes this last line, he must win, win the battle. battle. Yeah. And that's what I was telling her. I said, we can't win the battle. Yeah. And I just got you know, chills. Our, yeah. Our striving yeah. would be losing. I mean, he was hitting that 500 years ago. Yeah. I, but yet we still struggle with it. I mean, what do you guys think? You know, when, when we talk about, oh, he is, when someone uses the phrase, he is a good Christian. 
he is a bad Christian. They're not as good a Christian. When we, what do you think? What do you guys think about like that that metric that we use to? Is there really even such a thing as a as a good Christian? There, there's not in that sense. But what we think of is their dress, their standards, what they wear, where they, how go, much they're involved, how, how much they're involved in church, what's their attendance like. Uh, that's what we look at because that's what we've been so ingrained in. Uh, how many times did we hear? Save them up, and God will sh- straighten them up. God will cut their hair. <laughs> God will get them hair. Sh- you know, how many times did I hear that? Mm-hmm. Get them saved, and God will take care of their hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really? That, that's what the Bible says? That's what we're worried about? We don't care about how much they grow in God's Word. We don't care how much they grow in community of fellowship with brothers and sisters. Yep. We care about their hair because that's what makes them look good. Yes, and kind of borrowing from an episode that David and I did, our guilt episode, this caused so much doubt in my life almost from the day that I was saved because when you are taught this is what makes you a good Christian the minute you don't do those things Mm -hmm. the first day I don't read my Bible the first day I don't pray oh my gosh am I really saved because if I was truly saved maybe I wouldn't have forgotten to do these things or you know the first time I don't have the right motivation to go to youth group like oh no Am I, am I really saved? Because if I was a good Christian, I wouldn't be thinking these things. Mm-hmm. And that is so, so hurtful to a healthy Christian life. I could go like a serious point there or a, a, a funny point there. You can go. I'm struggling which one to go <laughs> with. Um, I'll go with the serious one first, then we can come <laughs> around to the funny one. Yeah. But um, uh, I was, most of our listeners know that um, I'm working on my, counseling certification Hmm. and I'm in the process where I will have to get hours in so I counsel then I fill out a case report and Hmm. I talk with a supervisor who then goes through and says all right you did a good job here don't do this again that kind of stuff right (laughs) and my supervisor is a guy by the name of Steve Viers he's a pastor in Lafayette Indiana and he's wrote books such as uh, Overcoming Your Past, or, or Putting Your Past in Its Place, Overcoming Bitterness, Loving Your Community. Um, anything this guy puts out, I highly recommend. He's, he's a fantastic counselor and, and uh, preacher. Um, but I was, I was, I'm working on a case right now where uh, the main issue is, is someone coming out of fundamentalism mm-hmm. working through depression. Mm-hmm. And so I was talking with him about this, and I was giving him sort of the background information of the counselee. And he, he said this. He said, John, can I ask you a question? Because he knows my history. Yeah. I said, sure. And he said, do you think, here's a guy who's done biblical counseling for 30-plus <laughs> years. Right. He said, do you think that fundamentalism breeds depression? Yes. <laughs> I was like, you're asking me that? He's like, yeah. He said, yeah, and I said, you're the one with the 30 years experience. And I, I said, well, I said, it's a little bit of a difficult question to ask because I do think there are some people that are prone to it with the way that their chemical makeup mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. Uh, regardless. I said, but, I mean, when you put somebody in a, in a, in a blender of performance-based living that they can't measure up to, mm-hmm. I said, you're going to come out with depression most of the time, I think. Sure. Now, the funny angle that I was going to go to after that, <laughs> to horrible at segues, was how many of you have been saved multiple times? Me. J- James, you haven't? I'll say that five never really doubted. 
Okay. Yeah, come, so, come so. on, man. That's right. We got that same here. I I was saved at nine years old, and I don't think I've ever. These heathens over here. I know. Say, say okay. I had the you know the, the whole salvation thing <laughs> twice, mm-hmm. and then uh, at a youth conference, the whole assurance of your salvation decision. Now that's mm-hmm. the that's the that's the ticket. How many times have you gotten assurance of of your salvation? Yes, you know what the assurance I uh, yeah I did once when I was thirteen. Mm-hmm. So what's what I think was probably one of the most um, disappointing experiences when it came to salvation and doubt and assurance is um, one time I went to talk to someone that was in my church because I was very, very, very much struggling, and I really didn't know. And instead of pointing me to the Bible, she just proceeded to tell me, well, you do all of these things, so surely they're coming out of a heart that's saved. And I'm like, no, they're not. They're coming out of you guys literally (laughs) standing over me with a freaking whip, like, and I will get in trouble if I don't do these things. And so I just... I walked away from that conversation, what should have been a very encouraging and uplifting conversation. I walked away so sad and then absolutely knowing there was no one that I could talk to with these concerns because that's the only response that I was going to get. Yeah. Now, my wife, if you ask her, she struggled multiple, probably 10, 15 times of getting saved Mm -hmm. and resaved and rebaptized because her friend got baptized. So I need to get saved and get rebaptized because I'm not sure. And she was through that legalism of fundamentalism. Uh, she was straight out of a Jack house type church. Oh, wow. The pastor started one. I mean, it, that's, that's what she came out of. Mm-hmm. And she said it wasn't until she was 15 years old that her pastor's wife sat down with her and said, listen, this is what salvation is. Mm-hmm. And she said, that's when I got it. That's when I realized that's what salvation is. Um, so Yeah. Honestly, I was struggling with doubt even even last year, um, and it's which we'll get to this point later. But realizing that the gospel reaches every point in every day of your life, and it's not just a salvation thing. But I was doubting my salvation so much that I felt that David and I actually got our TESOL certification to teach English to speakers of other languages, and we were going to be self-supporting missionaries in another country so that we could, or for me at least, so I could prove how good of a Christian I was. So if that doesn't scream doubt in an unhealthy Christian life, I don't know what does. Yeah, it was interesting. <laughs> we were we were driving back um, from Hickory to Johnson City, and we were driving through the mountains of North Carolina. We were talking about doing, we were trying to decide what we are going to do for the letter D, and we are like, oh, why don't we do door-to-door? And so as we started talking about the um, like the methodology and the principles behind door-to-door ministry, I'd said, well, you know, what, if, if I did implement that, if I was, you know, a pastor and that was my, my soul-winning program or however you want to um, put it, I'd say I'd make sure I did a very thorough course with those who'd be actively involved with that ministry about what the gospel is. And so... Then Sam proceeded to ask, well, what do you mean by that? And I said, well, what do you think the gospel is? And um, that kind of bleeds into our next point, um, that one of our biggest takeaways from leaving the IFB is realizing that the gospel isn't just a one-time event, but that it is good for every day. And when we, we got back to Johnson City, we like threw our bags and things back in the house, and then we proceeded to drive around for like another hour so that Sam could just start asking she could start asking some questions one of them being like wait a second so you're telling me that we got our TESOL certification not to prove that we were good Christians and not to prove that we were you know wanting to serve God and love God and and you know prove 
ourselves? And I said, no, no, because that's not the gospel. Yeah. And, I wish and I how powerful say... that is, is that when we actually understand that it's every day the gospel wow. can change our life. Wow. You know, so many times it's so not much. that one time event that happens when I was five or nine or 10 or 12 mm-hmm. or 15. It's every day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that gospel centered living, it's not just a one time event. Yeah, yeah, it's great. That's awesome. And you And people all the time talk about the joy of salvation. How in the heck can you experience the joy of salvation if you think that the gospel is only good for the day that you got saved? I should be living in the joy of my salvation every day. And it is so much easier to do that when you realize, when you realize that the gospel affects you every single moment of your life. But I will yeah. step off. John, when he now. came out to our church the other day, and uh, he said, he was preaching out here, and he said, I believe that it is a sin to take the Bible and make it boring. Mm. Because I think you said that, John, when you were out here, because the Bible should yeah. not be boring. It's the most exciting book that's ever been written. Absolutely. And too many times we take it, we make it boring when God says, this is exciting. This is something that changes people's life. Right. Uh, you know, the, yeah. I think well, right now... Well, that was one of the reasons... I'm oh, sorry. sorry. Go ahead, Sam. Well, I was just going to say right now for um, part of my daily time with the Lord, I'm using the Bible Project, which I don't know if you guys know what that is, but you can find it for free on YouTube. And me as an English teacher, I love it because their whole purpose is to show how all of the Bible connects to each other and like different allegories and different like metaphors or motifs or whatever. And it's... Oh, it's so cool. And it makes the Bible so not boring. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. That was one of the reasons to this whole gospel part was one of the reasons to why I wanted I wanted to start the podcast from the beginning, Mm. because I may be a little bit more jaded than others with the IFB. I get that. And I I try to dial it back sometimes. (laughs) Um, But I think it's a lot. See, I think it's a lot more harmful than just, okay. you got the crazy pocket that people talk about, oh, those are the crazies, you know, the IFB sermon clip shows. Yeah. And then you've got the the um, the Hiles crowd or the abusive crowd. But, you know, there's good IFB. And see, I just sort of see it's it's more harmful as a theological construct. Right. And that's where my issue was. Sure. I said, no, it's it goes deeper than this because they are they are missing it on the gospel. And then that flows from their theological understanding of everything is, yeah, it sounds good in some ways that they're presenting it, but it's skewed. Mm-hmm. And that was sort of, again, that might be a little bit of that coming out right there, but <laughs> um, that that was sort of my perspective on it, too. Yeah. One of the things that was super helpful is um, when when we were, when we had decided that we were going to leave and we let our, um, our church know and um, the pastor, and so I had reached out to um, a, a former teacher at Crown, so he used to teach at Crown, and uh, now is not, but um, very much distanced himself, I think, from fundamentalism, but I called him because I was like, well, I don't know who else is going through this uh, thing right now, and so I asked him to give me just some recommended reading, and one of the books that he, he gave um, as a recommendation, which I'm sure maybe uh, one of you guys has read, is called, um, Dangerous Calling. Have you guys read that by uh, Paul David Tripp? <laughs> it's in the mail. It's coming. <laughs> In the mail, I've been waiting. I ordered it for my birthday, and I was like, "That somebody told me that was the greatest book on leadership they've ever read. That book just broke me and made me weep and made me cry and made me realize, and I, I need to reread it again to, to get some more out of it. But 
the whole premise to uh, just talking to pastors and leaders and telling them why they're so worn out because they don't apply the gospel to their daily life. And it was, and it just made sense. I'm like, geez, no wonder we're, we're burning out. No wonder we, we feel the way that we do. It's because we've never applied the gospel to our lives daily. And that was never an emphasis that was, that was made, you know, and, and I'm guilty of this, of just teaching people, all right, what is the gospel? It's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's it. And while yes, that is the good news, that good news permeates more than salvation, like we've said, um, but every aspect of our life. And that book is just, I mean, it's tremendous. And so to any of your listeners that are listening to this, uh, I wholeheartedly recommend Dangerous Calling. Um, it is so, so good. And I think at least in the last several years, aside from the Bible, has been the book that's impacted me the most. Yeah, and, you know, I just, last week I preached, uh, last Wednesday I preached on Luke nine twenty three, where it says, deny yourself and take up your cross daily. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the gospel daily. Yeah. Jesus tells us that, but how many times do we hear that verse and we don't ever apply that daily part? We just say, take up your cross and follow me. <laughs> But yeah. it's a daily thing that we have to do, and that's the gospel. Well, and then taking up your cross is like, you know, it's obviously this is implying that that we are to su- we are going to suffer for Christ, and and that oh, yeah. you know we shouldn't put con- our own convenience over um, over the Lord. Um, uh, but certainly, it's it, the the walk with Jesus and the relationship with Christ and His sustaining of us isn't isn't what is you know isn't the thing that's emphasized um at least from what a, a lot of what i understood in growing up for sure yeah so what's your last point your last thought number four of what you've learned from leaving the ifb so we actually split on number four so i will tell you my fourth thing that i've learned and um i really truly love Um, we were getting ready for church yesterday and I was just listening to worship music and, you know, I was trying to prepare for the mindset of church. And I realized as I was walking out the door that I was excited and I was like, this is such a new feeling for me in the sense of usually growing up when I was getting ready for church, I was trying to get into a very somber and quiet and just very contemplative mood, which has its place. But also, if I cannot celebrate in church, where can I celebrate? And just the literal joy that was flowing out of my heart, walking into church yesterday, driving in the car to go to church yesterday was just like, I am going to go and meet with people who love Jesus. And we're all going to fellowship and worship Jesus together. And that's just so cool. And you can ask David, I would go to a church service literally for five hours if we just sang. I love singing in church. And that just, oh, the church that we're at right now sings a lot. And it brings me so much joy. Shame on you, you folks that only sing the first verse. Yes. And a chorus. (laughs) And that's it. So Yeah. So that's my fourth thing. Yeah. There was one Sunday we left church and we just started crying. (laughs) Because we were just so overwhelmed with just a spirit of worship, mm-hmm. I think, in our own in hearts towards the God. Lord and, yep. and just mm-hmm. still meditating on the message and meditating on the words uh, uh, from the songs that we sang. And I was like, man, I don't know if 
that's ever happened to me before. Um, Leaving the IFB has caused us to cry many tears. Some not good tears, but a lot of very good tears. A lot of very good tears. <laughs> yeah. So, but I will say, uh, so my fourth thing is um, the importance of the importance of history. I always thought history was, was really important, but never really applied that to my own faith. Um, and it wasn't until I started doing some digging for our podcast. I was like, well, we got to find the history of this stuff that we're going to talk about. And that I realized you almost feel, I don't know if you guys experienced this, but like you almost feel kind of lied to just a little bit about some things because here you are, you were thinking like, oh, I do this because, well, this is clearly what the Bible teaches. It's like, no, this practice is less than a hundred years old. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was, the, the history thing has been huge for me. I mean, the first five, six episodes I did was the history of the IFB. Yes. And that was, and, uh, that was, I'm sorry to interrupt. That was a, a great, a great series. Like I, I think I listened to that twice each episode twice through so well thank you um and that that was mainly because my dad was he got into it in the 80s and he would always talk about the sword conferences that he went to and he had j frank norris's biography on his shelf um it's it's the one it's the the puff piece written by lewis insminger his assistant pastor which i mm-hmm. read for my research as well yeah but digging into it and finding out the and I think it wouldn't have had as big an impact if I had not already ministry-wise been re-educated in what the calling of an elder is like mm-hmm. and the biblical uh, framework for the qualifications for someone who is going to stand behind a pulpit. Mm-hmm. And then seeing um, the character and the quality of this. And, you know, somebody people say, how are you going to throw out the baby with the bathwater? I'm like, there's, there's no baby in that bathwater. <laughs> Thank it's you. just nasty. Thank you. It's It's been nasty <laughs> since the beginning. Right? I mean, we so we, we had some friends um, that were passing through here um, that grew up similar to how we did. And so um, I had handed them a copy of, of Authorized by Mark Ward. And I... In my reason why I gave it to them, I think one of the first things that I said was, I just don't like, I don't like being lied to. You should read this book. That's why I read this book. You need to read it. Um, And I think that's kind of my sentiment with this whole history uh, thing, because as soon as you start to uncover history, you're like, oh, wait a second. What? Whoa, 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 whoa. I I feel really naked. I feel exposed (laughs) because... I've been telling everybody else, like, no, you're a bad Christian. You're not a real Christian because look at my practices. They're biblical. It's like, well, no, history actually would tell us that they're not. And unless you think that, you know, the start of the church and true biblical Christianity started in the 1920s with J. Frank Norris and then, you know, was commercialized and uh, franchised by Jake, Jack Hiles, then, okay, maybe you'll you'll be honest with yourself. But I don't think anyone who then is perpetuating that i think is just crazy but anyway so yeah so the importance of history for me for sure yeah and not just i mean another thing that wrecked me was the history of baptist to begin with right because i came from a home that was very much strong like the three things that my dad was strong on and and, be careful i may have to edit some of this out (laughs) Because I was about to say, one of them was not going to church regularly. But these three things um, were uh, music, the King James Version, and that the Baptists have always existed down to the time of Christ. Mm -hmm. 
those three things were huge. And so when I was like, I remember listening to like a, a session from some teacher from John MacArthur's church who was doing a question and answer about an article he wrote on the life of Charles Spurgeon. Mm-hmm. And then something came up and he had mentioned, this is how this, like, I'm still like two years out of this and I still believe the Baptists are the bad, are it. <laughs> and this guy says, you know, uh, there are some segments that believe that the Baptists went all the way back to the time of Christ. I was like, what do you mean? He's talking like people don't know this. And, right. And he said, he said, James, and he goes, James McGoldrick actually wrote a very good book about this. And I was like, what? I paused it. I'm driving. I pull over to the side. I'm writing this down. I said, somebody's wrote about this. Right. I'm going to find this out. And so then I ordered the book and I was just like, this is, it's like you said, David, it's a huge lie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. If you go to the Crown College of the Bible, there is, well, at least when we were there um, in the seminary office, there was a portrait of Charles Spurgeon with a quote that says uh, something along the lines of, oh, you probably know the quote that the Baptists were the original Christians. You know, they were not Protestants for we never came out of the Catholic tradition. Instead, you know, we've existed since the times of Christ, blah, 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 blah. So some quote attributed to Spurgeon, but, and that's what we were taught, you know, that, Hey, um, but then history of course would, would prove otherwise. And, and I think that's my point. And I think that's, that's what I tried when I start talking to people that still are IFB and, um, very much wave the IFB flag and, um, and that sort of thing. I think my question to them would be, okay, the things that your pastor says, where did, where did that come from? And then where did he get that from? Because if you start following that trail, it unravels really quickly. I'm okay if you want to call your preferences preferences. I'm all for that. Like, you have your liberty. You do what you want as long as you can honestly admit, hey, I'm not doing this because the Bible says so, but it's just because this is what I think I want to do. That's at least historically and intellectually honest. But the way we grew up was not that way. Not that way. No, that's great. I do have one question because yeah. I'm not familiar with Crown. And okay. every time Sam says Crown College, she just says Crown College. But when David, when you say <laughs> Crown College, you say the Crown College of the Bible. Yes. Well, it is the why? Crown why? So, why, why, why is the the difference here, Sam? Why don't you call it that? And David, why do you call it this? I've asked myself this question on every episode. Clown. Because when y'all refer to this, that's how you refer to it. Sam says Crown College, and David says the Crown College of the Bible. Wow, that is so funny that you picked up on that. I didn't I, notice. I'm a, I'm a nerd. That's why. But I absolutely agree with you. And here's here's the real reason why. <clears throat> because David still likes to maintain his good college kid status, you know, so he calls it the <laughs> Crown College of the Bible. And um, me, I was very much all about flying under the radar. So That's I not just... true. No, I, I say I call it that because it's kind of, because if it's kind of a joke, because, you know, like part of, I think part of being a Crown student is also thinking that you're better than all the other IFB colleges. Like there's also definitely that. like put on airs uh, and like the way we do our music and the way we come to church. And like, you know, it's just very like, you know, you got your nose up in the... If uh, it rained, you would drown. Yeah, basically. Um, and so um, that is the 
then that is the name of the school. It is so well, like, and that's how Pastor Sexton would say it too when he was getting really emphatic about a point. He would be like, "At the Crown College of the Bible, of the Bible we do it this way." So during basketball games, you know, because we always won our basketball games, am I right? So, no, <laughs> uh, or like no, soccer games did. or whatever, <laughs> um, you know people would be like let's go crown or like you know let's go crown let's go and i'd say let's go the crown college of the bible a distinctive baptist college where we <laughs> take <go>. the <laughs> where we take the high road yeah. and the high road is not choosing, choosing between the, the good, good and the, the bad but the high road is choosing between the good and the best and always choosing the best and the best is the unending pursuit of jesus christ that was our college motto boom so Amen. Yes, I'm very, Come on. I'm very familiar with the the ministry, and I, I think I went to uh, three couples retreats that they had done. Wow! And I'm telling you, like, there are so many things that used. To, even when I was like gung ho IFB, there was I would just get under my skin mm-hmm. just being or being there. I remember hearing hearing a story about how Sexton said that if he saw a staff member walk by a piece of trash on the ground yeah. and not pick it up, uh-huh. he would fire them. Come on. Good Lord. And I remember, James, I don't know if you were there for this, but one time Tony Hudson came through champion, and he was trying to get a rise out of the champion students, and he was going on, you know, his Tony Hudson just going at it, and he says, you want to know how you spell champion? And he goes, see – R O W N. I love it. That's, but see, we were I all like, for that. "Oh, that's pretty funny. Oh that's pretty." Word. We didn't care. <laughs> that's funny. The crown students would have thought they that. were better than champions. So. Yes, that's hilarious. Yep. Did y'all even know Champion Baptist College existed? The same did. I don't think anybody does. Well, even today, we had um, one of so you know, like when you're a little kid and you really look up to high schoolers. So one of the girls that I super looked up to when I was a little kid went to Champion right as Come they were on. kind of turning their quote liberal, you know, their mm-hmm. liberal leaf over. So she that was the year they had Greater Vision in, and that's after I left. Okay. Aww. What year was that? You might have been there the same. That would have been if you're okay with revealing. 2010. I was okay. there. I graduated in 2011, so it was in 2010. Okay. So she was there. And I guess I can't. I can't remember the years, but I I remember her telling a story that they were watching facing the Giants, and yes, I was there for that. There was a big controversy because apparently they didn't mute the music when mm-hmm. Casting Crown started singing, and she was telling us about. <laughs> how big of a deal that was that's awesome yes <laughs> oh, there was James, one time was it never was one I got, time, okay go ahead because i got an inside scoop story that i can share in just a minute there was one time we watched uh clint eastwood's son produced a movie oh. and they came in it wasn't a christian movie at all okay. but brother eric brought in the producer which was clint eastwood's son and he talked about the movie we showed the wow. movie in the college and there were some cuss words and so Brother Eric had went through and edited the movie oh and put <laughs> Let's go. And bleeped out the cuss words. <laughs> and we watched this movie with him there. And then at the very end, they let him get up and talk about the movie and talk about how he knew Jesus. Uh, yeah, it was it was crazy. Wow. That is interesting. So I remember the the last year I was there, this was the last semester before graduation. And um, this was when he was making those steps to move. We went out and hung out with him for a little bit. And he was talking about all the names and fundamentalism that were just running him through the oh, I'm dirt. Sure. I'm sure. Um, he dropped like Arbiolet, 
Right. And those guys that just would not stop talking. And to be honest with you, and I'm going to, I'm going to take brother Eric's defense here. Um, he was sick of it. Yeah. He was just sick and tired of, he was like, you know, we're supposed to be independent, but every time I do something, the brethren court of, of the IFB has something to say about it. And is going around telling churches not to send people to us. And he's like, who cares? Be independent. Mm -hmm. And he, he had had his feel of it. He was done. And I, I don't blame him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know how we got way off on that. Well, <laughs> I don't either. He asked about. But it was great. He asked about yeah. the Crown College. Of the oh, I, he asked <laughs> about yeah. that. Which yeah, now sorry. they, well, guys, real quick, they're no longer from, I think, last no, time I, I checked their website. Sure. Okay. Yeah. They're no longer a distinctive Baptist college. They're a distinctive Christian college. So they are starting down this slippery Well, no, slope. because, mm-hmm. no, 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 because that's what. <laughs> TTU was their slogan, a distinctive Christian college. Mm. But you know, TTU they is don't exist anymore, right? You so know that slogan is up which, for grabs. Okay. History note here for you: from most of the older ones that I have talked to, it, Tennessee Temple and its glory days is what Clarence Sexton tried to model. After oh yeah, 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 for sure. And he'll say that too. That's, oh, he does. That's oh, very much his goal. Yeah, Lee Robertson okay. was the greatest Christian man he ever knew. So, mm-hmm. yep. yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I have absolutely loved this time together, guys. <laughs> I can't great. wait till we have a jo- chance to just meet up. We may next time I go to North Carolina to see family, I may like swing up through Johnson City <laughs> and come back down. Well, I mean, you know, his next parents still live in Hickory. Hickory. Yeah. Let me know. Yes. We'll and do. I will buy you lunch. Oh. <laughs> well, that's very nice of you. John, but... yeah, you're 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 chop liver, John now. Hey, if you We've could got new friends. Yeah, Hit Night was cool because uh, fourth grade is where we would take our our trips to you know to the to the mines. Yeah, you can see my church. You can see my church from the gym mine. Oh, oh right cool. on. Yes. So. Yeah, yeah. North Carolina is great. Anytime we uh we drive into the border, I just I take a, I go. He'll he'll beep the horn and he'll be Hallelujah. like, and whenever we have our our dog with us, he'll be like, you smell that, Klaus? That's North Carolina air. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> My my family knows that I have a rule that any time we go to any store, grocery store, or gas station, and they have cheer wine, yeah, Daddy's buying some. <laughs> I will say cheer wine is very good, very yeah, it's good. So good. It's made in Salisbury, North Carolina. Yeah. Boom, my hometown. Very good. Also, wasn't Hickory like the wicker capital of America for a while? Uh, the textile industry. Oh, textile. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Furniture. Mm-hmm. Salisbury. I think we've lost everybody yeah, at this point. That's right. John, you may no you may want to edit. You guys can edit this part out over here. John, go ahead and close the show down for us. <laughs> okay. Oh, it's been an absolute blast having David Sam of the Twenty Six Letters podcast. Guys, do you have any closing comments that you'd like to leave us with? Uh, well, I'm the cooler one out of the two of us. <laughs> but honestly, thank you guys for asking us to come on. It has been very fun and enjoyable. Yeah, no, and I appreciate the work that you guys are doing with your mm-hmm. podcast. I enjoyed listening to it, and um, I think that um, the kinds of conversations that you help facilitate mm-hmm. are things that are are challenging, one, but also edifying. And I think that that is a not not something that a lot of people can accomplish. So thank you guys for doing that. Well, that means a lot. It means a lot. It does. James, any closing comments? I'm great. I'm just geeking out that we got to talk to David and Sam over here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 
All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. And as usual, check out the podcast and uh, rate it, review it, and share it if you can. And until next time, to God, not the works not the performance salvation. Works performance salvation. <laughs> and Dave said the pastor. Dave wanted to get it there. Dave, yeah, he did. He did. All right. <laughs> Be the glory. Thank you for listening to the Four Freedom Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give a rating, leave a comment, or share it on Facebook or Twitter. To find more helpful resources for your journey through the independent fundamental Baptist world, check out rfpnetwork.org, where you can find this podcast and others such as the Recovering Fundamentals Podcast, the RFWP Podcast, the Young Baptist Podcast, the Church Split, the Preacher's Kids Podcast, the 26 Letters Podcast, and the RFP in Espanol. God bless.